0: Hello and welcome to a very special Facebook Live recording of JewishBoston.com's The Vibe of the Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Anzavin, and I'm here with my co host, Dan Seligson.
1: Hey, Miriam. So today we're talking about a very difficult issue family separation at the U.S. Mexico border and the role that faith communities can play in reuniting them. For a lot of us, the news has been really hard to read, watch, and hear. Children have been forcibly taken from their parents' arms and driven to various facilities where they lie on the ground. They have a thin pad for comfort and a foil blanket for warmth. Parents taken to a different facility somewhere more than 1,000 miles away don't know what's become of their children, how to reach them, whether they're fed, clothed, bathed, or even safe. Since May, more than 2,340 children, some as young as six months old, have been taken from their parents as part of a federal zero-tolerance policy for asylum seekers and migrants who illegally crossed the border.
0: While most of the families are being detained in Texas, the impact is being felt nationwide. Local agencies, organizations working on the ground in Texas, and national organizations working on immigration issues all report an increased need for funds to help impacted families with legal assistance. Here in Boston, Combined Jewish Philanthropies established FACES, which stands for the Fund to Aid Children and End Separation. FACES offers aid through three organizations, Catholic Charities, the Young Center for Immigrant Children's Rights, and the Interfaith Welcome Coalition. The services from these organizations will include legal assistance, social workers or other skilled individuals to act as family reunification specialists, and trauma specialists to support children experiencing extreme distress.
1: So to talk about this issue, we have three real experts in the field of immigration law and social justice with us here today. Uh, to my right, we have Sarah Abramson, Vice President of Caring, Community Impact, and Strategic Partnerships. We have Marjean Perhot, the Director of Refugee and Immigration Services at Catholic Charities. And to her right, we have Rabbi Sharon Cohen-Anisfeld, President of Hebrew College, which is hosting us today. Thank you. Uh, and who just returned from a trip to Texas this week.
0: Sharon, as Dan said, you just uh, got back from El Paso where you protested and prayed at some detention facilities along with other faith leaders. Can you talk about what you saw there and the feeling on the ground in Texas now? Sure. Um, I was fortunate to uh, go down
2: to Texas with a delegation organized by the AFT, by the American Federation of Teachers. So uh, one of the things that was powerful about it actually was that it was a very diverse coalition of labor leaders, educational leaders, and faith leaders. Uh, And there was something about that that really captured, uh, for me, the blend of despair and hope in the situation there. Obviously, what we saw on the ground uh, was very painful. Uh, we started out in El Paso, outside of the courthouse, um, both the state and federal courthouse, uh, where there was a press conference and a lot of labor, local and national uh, labor leaders and elected officials spoke. Um, these are courthouses where a lot of the detentions are being processed, and um, and then we drove about an hour to the middle of nowhere, <laughs> really deep into the Texas desert, to Tornillo, uh, where there's a detention center, uh, where kids are still being held separate from their parents, separate from their families. Uh, our hope there was to uh, both um, both have a prayer vigil on behalf of the children and their families, uh, and also to deliver books and toys that we had brought with us. Um, unfortunately, we were not allowed into the facility, um, but we were able to do the prayer vigil, and that was with faith leaders, Christian, Muslim, Jewish, um, really from all over, both from Texas and from all over the country, who had gathered there. Uh, the the one thing I would say about the hope uh I've had on my bulletin board in my office for years, actually, a quote from uh, a congresswoman from years ago named Pat Schroeder, which says, you can't wring your hands and roll up your sleeves at the same time, Uh, which uh, to me speaks to the fact that really the only antidote to the despair of a situation like this, which is really not just a political crisis, but a moral crisis, I think, for our country, the only antidote to despair is uh, to engage and to uh, come to come together to do what we can to, to speak up. And so what was heartening about the situation was just how um, broad-based uh, the outcry has been in response to this crisis. And it was very moving to be with people who've been, fighting this fight, who, who've been coming together around this specific issue, and also leaders who have been fighting these kinds of fights for a very long time. Wow,
0: thank you. Um, Sarah, since starting this fund last week, can you tell us, tell us how much money has been raised and um, how the funds are being used to help right now? Absolutely. So thank you so much for everyone for being
3: here and for supporting this effort. Uh, We would agree with the rabbi that this is absolutely a moral crisis, and that really has been the starting point for this fund at CJP. So we uh, began thinking about what we could do, how we could put our Jewish values in the most um, profound way right into action, because we would think about social justice not just as about rhetoric, but also as in action. So, uh, about a week and a half ago, we started researching nonprofits that um, have been doing this work for long before we woke up to this, unfortunately. And we researched and we researched and we researched. We vetted about 17 different organizations, and we came to the conclusion that the three you mentioned, Catholic Charities, the Young Center, and the Interfaith Welcome Coalition would be the best recipients for these funds. The response to the fund has been not just heartening for those of us who work at CJP, but also a really uh, special demonstration of the power of community coming together in ways that are parallel to the ways we just heard when you're on the ground in Texas. Within the time period of a few days, we have raised $170,000 from over 300 people. And seeing as this is on Facebook, this is really a demonstration of what a $5 donation can do. Within those first few days, we were able to send a $50,000 check right to the border where the Young Center is in the process right now of hiring a reunification specialist, someone to sit and spend their entire day looking for families and helping to bring them back together. So it's an immediate immediate impact right on the ground.
1: And more information about the fund is at cb- cjp.org faces. So Marjeen, uh what can lawyers do to help solve this problem, solve this moral crisis?
4: Well first, thank you very much for allowing me to be here and to speak about the work that we do and um, our concerns at Catholic Charities about this uh, very human and moral issue. So an experienced lawyer who specializes in immigration law is when that part is very important you need a lawyer who knows immigration law can assist a child with a consultation which is basically an assessment for the options of legal remedies or relief that might be available to that child an attorney can represent a child in her immigration hearings and as we have seen recently attorneys have been able to petition courts to get children released from custody so our attorneys at Catholic Charities Supported largely by combined Jewish Philanthropies for which we are most appreciative Handle are very skilled at what we handle at handling what we call SIDGE cases or as I like to say the special kids visa um, But what this is, is called as a special immigrant juvenile visa and for a child to be able to apply for this He or she must approve that he'd been subject to abandonment neglect or abuse by one or more parents And another possible remedy for these children is to apply for asylum. However, the recent policy directives from the Attorney General about restricting access to asylum and making it very hard for his officers um, to approve asylum will make a very large and negative impact on these children should they choose to apply for asylum. And it's important to note that immigration cases are only getting more complicated and more difficult to win. Immigration attorneys, experienced ones, are needed now more than ever, especially ones who are affordable, like our attorneys at Catholic Charities. Our fees are 80% lower than what a private attorney would charge, and we need more support to be able to support these kids.
0: So this, this question is um, for all three of you. Um, what other assistance do these separated
4: families need right now? I could offer some um, ideas. In addition to the access to affordable immigration attorneys, we find the top need for children is bilingual mental health clinicians to help the children and the parents deal with the trauma from separation. And also, let's not forget the trauma of violence, death, abuse that they faced in home country, which is why their parents chose to make that very difficult journey and then to be separated from their children. Um, And it's hard to access bilingual mental health clinicians. There's simply not enough. And those that are there, um, you know, there's payment issues, insurance issues, because these children don't necessarily have um, full-fledged health insurance.
2: Yeah, I just want to underscore this point about the sort of doubling and tripling of trauma that these children and families are going through, Um, because really there's an underlying issue here about uh, the importance of the right to seek asylum as a legal right in this country and an international human right. And that right is being eroded by the policies of the current administration unfortunately um not just eroded but directly violated and so yeah these people are fleeing often um life-threatening situations and then coming and experiencing this trauma on top of that um the thing i would add into you know which is obvious in addition to legal support and and financial support and mental health support and health support generally Uh, medical care um, is uh, just the knowledge that there are people out there keeping them in our consciousness and fighting for them and for their rights and uh, the in the context of so much trauma the feeling of not being alone uh, is critical.
3: And I would just say that um, to echo everything that has been said, this is an opportunity for action. And for so many of us, it is much easier to get up in the morning and go about our business and to avoid the news, to avoid Facebook, to avoid these very difficult conversations, to avoid getting on the plane and going to the detention center. And I think what we have seen over the last few weeks is that, especially as Jews, especially with the commandments, especially with our obligation to remember our own past, that this is the time to act actually put those values into action. This is the time to think about why we continue to learn Jewishly, uh, to engage in interfaith work. I said to my family, I feel like I've been in practice for this moment since kindergarten, this is why you gave me the kind of Jewish education that you did. And so I think that one of the things we're trying to do with this fund by working in partnership with so many is to actually give people the opportunity to do
0: something meaningful
3: from their home if they feel like they can't take that next step.
0: That's, that's so wonderful. Um, so we talked a little bit about the compounded trauma. Um, I just want to talk about what do, what do we know about the conditions and treatment that the children and their parents are currently experiencing while mm-hmm. in detention?
4: Marjean? Sure. Um, and before I respond to that directly, I think it's very important that we highlight the cost of this detention. I sometimes think that's overlooked. And while it's impossible to put a dollar figure on the cost of a child's life after being forcibly removed from a parent, we do have details on the cost to detain somebody. Did you know that you and I are paying $775 a day to keep a child separated from her mother? Or $134 per day to keep the father separated from their son? If the administration chooses to reunify these families and put them in a family detention center, that will cost us taxpayers $319 per day at a minimum. There are proven alternatives to detention practices that Catholic Charities has been involved with as well as many other faith-based social service agencies. The cost of this in human lives is dramatic, but the cost in dollars is billions. Now to answer your question, I'm sure we've all seen the pictures of the children in cages with the foil blankets. You know, it reminded me of the ones that our Boston Marathoners wear, right, after completing their 26.2. And then Cutely says, that was a happy time. This is not, these children are laying on foil blankets and they're crying tears of fear. Or you hear the stories about Ileria, La Ileria. That is the very cold cell that children wait in before they are transferred to custody. Those conditions are not acceptable for anyone and especially except for children. However, it is important to note that once the children are in the custody of ORR and placed in a shelter or foster care, the environment is one that is least restrictive and directed to be in the best interest of the child. The latter is debatable now Being separated from a parent is not in the best interest of a child. The ORR shelters are not horrific. Children receive beds and blankets, clothes, adequate food, education, medical and mental health care, along with recreation both in the shelter and in the community. Most of the unaccompanied children we've served throughout the years do not have major complaints about the shelter. Other than that, they are so eager to get out and be reunified with their mother or relative.
1: So this is a question uh, I'll kind of put out there to anyone who knows anything, but we have been asked whether there are children who have been moved into Massachusetts, and do we know for sure and how many and where they're held?
4: Well, we actually get this question almost daily. <laughs> um, it's kind of like, where are the children? Everyone's wondering. Um, at Catholic Charities, we have not been asked yet to provide services to a child released from O.R. custody. However, many of you have probably heard of the parents from Brazil and Guatemala who are seeking to reunify with their children. Um, We did actually, though, have two instances in late 2017 of where children were separated from their parents, and they were sent here, and Catholic Charities was called to provide case management services to those children. And as an example of what can happen to a child after he's been separated, one of the little boys tried to commit suicide in the shelter, because he didn't know where his daddy was. They came in full gear and took away his dad. And he didn't know where he was going. And this child became so desperate. So one of our responsibilities was to try to make sure that the child had supports. I do want to say thankfully they've been reunified and the child is doing much better. But um, we do anticipate that we will see more children as they find their parents here and become released.
1: Last year, it wasn't around this time, it was probably last spring, we, uh, CJP and Catholic Charities launched a fund called the Legal Aid Fund for Immigrants. And at that time, we were responding to how increased enforcement has led to anxiety, and anxiety leads to avoiding uh, government services, including education and healthcare and other things. Has there been any improvement or worsening of that situation?
4: Well, I would like to say and be positive that things are improving, but it's not. Um, Dan, the anxiety has only increased dramatically. And as I reflect on this, what I'm starting to see is that there is an erosion of families, a targeted policy to erode families, to forget family values of keeping people together. We see the fear in our clients' eyes all the time, every day. We also know that the policies that are enforced by this administration, whether it be stripping temporary protective status from people who have been here for 20 years, whether it be restricting Muslim families from being reunited with their loved ones, or whether it's a DACA child possibly being forced to return to a country she does not know, all of these actions are having dramatic impacts on families and their ability just to live basic life to leave their home and not have to worry if they will be home to be with their children at night so it's um, it's bad
0: so a lot of people are asking how they can help we're all motivated to help in any way we can the fund is obviously one way donations are being accepted at cjp.org faces other than financially um, are there other ways that people can help Do any organizations need volunteers for example or material donations um,
2: I can. S- I, I think there are a lot of organizations uh, working on these issues. I could mention a couple locally that I'm aware of that are interfaith efforts to provide support. Um, uh, one is a group called RIM, which has a number of different interfaith clusters. It's Refugee Immigration Ministry. And that's a group that we here at Hebrew College, and actually my family has been involved with, Um which is specifically supporting uh, asylum seekers. Uh, These are actually people who have, prior to the current zero-tolerance policy, been admitted to the country under our legal procedures for seeking asylum, and they're uh, awaiting the rulings on their cases, and they need all kinds of support, um, ranging from... Um, support for living situations to child care support to transportation support to medical care support etc and so um, there's a wonderful I know there are different clusters throughout the area we're involved with a a Newton Brookline cluster that has three synagogues and three churches that are involved and if people are interested uh, you know you can, you can uh, reach out to get more information about that. Uh, there are also s- local sanctuary, interfaith sanctuary efforts and um, um, providing support and accompaniment to families that are in sanctuary, actually. Um, I'll mention uh, just two other sort of um, interfaith things going on right now. One I, that I learned about uh, while I was in Texas, um, we were joined by a woman uh, named Dolores Huerta, who is 88 years old and has been involved in immigration rights, migrant worker rights. She worked with Cesar Chavez on the farm worker uh, strike years and years ago. Uh, She's involved with a group um, called uh, Break Bread Not Families, breakbreadnotfamilies.org is how you can go find out more. They've started a fast, a 24-day fast, uh, f- on behalf of the roughly 2,400 kids who are being held, uh, separated from their families right now. And that is a fast that's being passed from person to person. So um, so we're sort of sharing the weight of that fast. And I know a lot of um, Jewish communities are connecting to that around, Um, the fast of the 17th of Tammuz and the fast of Tisha B'Av that are coming up during this time in our calendar. Um, So I would encourage people to think about that.
4: And if I could just add, at Catholic Charities, we created a family separation webpage at ccab.org, which includes ways people can help, especially if people are interested in foster care or doing donation drives uh, to support the children once they come to Massachusetts.
3: And finally, I would just say to be educated, to try and understand the issues at a deeper level, to read past the front page, and to look for opportunities to pass on that level of knowledge so that we share the burden of understanding our own obligations to move forward in this and not to just shut down. Great point. Great point.
0: So, Sharon, I know you wrote a prayer, actually, that you recited in Texas. Could you share that prayer with us to close out this recording?
2: Sure. Yeah. Uh, this was a prayer that I offered at the uh, vigil outside the detention center in Torneo. God of the spirits of all flesh, we came here from all over this great country and beyond to say no. To say no to those who would tear children from their parents' arms, To say no to those who are in no rush to reunite them now. To say no to a policy that deprives people of all ages of the basic international human right to seek asylum in our country. To say no to those making our border famous for brutality and heartbreak. But more than that, Av HaRachamim, father of all fathers, mother of all mothers, source of all compassion. We are here to say yes. To say yes to children and to families. To say yes to the sanctity, the preciousness, the dignity of all life created in your image. To say yes to the truth of your oneness and ours. Yes to the breathtaking beauty of our world and yes to the vital moral fabric of our lives. To those who would tear that fabric apart, we are here to say, we will always show up to stitch it back together. We walk in the footsteps of our ancestor Abraham, who stitched worlds together, who saw connection everywhere, and who was commanded to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. We know that it is so much easier and faster to tear things apart than it is to stitch them together. But we will keep showing up for as long as it takes. Because we are parents ourselves, because we are teachers, because we are witnesses, because we are weavers, because we are threads in the tapestry of your creation. We will stitch together what has been torn apart. Dear God, please give us strength, give us wisdom, give us courage. Gather us all in the embrace of your unending love. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Listen, all you who struggle, and bear witness to the one God who holds us all. Oh,
0: Amen. Thank you so much. I want to thank all of you for for taking time to talk with us about this important issue today. To make sure you don't miss an episode of Jewish Boston's The Vibe of the Tribe podcast, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you.